It's gone sideways. I'm here with Daniel Towns, comedian Daniel Towns. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Very well. Uh, thanks for coming on. So with a lot of the guests that I've had for She's Gone Sideways, I uh, have known a bit of the background of what they're going to talk about yeah. with, with you. <laughs> I don't know what the story is going to be. Well, I didn't realize that the bar was going to be set so high with <laughs> shit going sideways. <laughs> Just because I've had some notorious criminals that have... Actually, we've had two guys that have both successfully escaped from Silverwater Prison in the last... Um, uh, as guests in the last few episodes. So I escaped. Yes, well, John Killick escaped in a helicopter. Is this a helicopter guy? Yeah, I so remember he, that. He escaped and he was on the run for like 40 days. It was his girlfriend, right? His girlfriend hijacked the helicopter. Yeah, I remember that. That was massive. And then I chatted to Danny Shannon yesterday who uh, he spent time in Silverwater and a bunch of other jails and he escaped just over the fence and he was on the run for about a week before he got caught. Isn't right. that just, that's a remand center though, isn't it? Um, is so it? I, I, so yeah, it's, it's known as, uh, MRRC, which is Metropolitan Remand and Reception Center or whatever it is. But I'm, I'm pretty sure there is a sent there's, um, there's sentence parts of it as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. No, I just know. Yeah. Cause I grew up in the area and that was a big story around the time. When, Where did you grow up? Oh, Blacktown. Yeah. Okay. Especially with the helicopter and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and the girlfriend doing was, it. It was, <laughs> it was during the two, it was like during the 2000 Olympics or maybe it was 1999, just before the Olympics started. Yeah. Cause I think everyone has like a thing in them that was like, not everyone has a thing in them, but I'm sure most people, if you go, oh yeah, put me in jail, I'll get out. <laughs> you know, like I, I bet a lot of people think they probably could. Well, he's, he, John Killick must be like Australia's most successful escape artist, surely, because he attempted to escape five times from prison and he mm -hmm. succeeded three times. That's impressive. Right? Like, in, in that sense. But where do you go though? <laughs> like that's my, like. Well, I think it's like a lot harder these days with like facial recognition and cameras everywhere, but he just like hid out in a hotel or motel or something like that. Um, yeah, right. Just but the they, but they were the most wanted people in the country, so their face was everywhere, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't live on the run forever. <laughs> it must be hard. Um, so... What are we going to talk about? Shit's gone sideways. Yeah. I reckon it could. I mean, for me, it's just going sideways. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, still continue, it's still continually. <laughs> and there's been no comeback from it. One, one thing I was hoping that you were going to be talking about today was because, I don't, you know, um, like the first time we hung out at a comedy gig that I said that um, I, it, it was kind of like a pinch me kind of moment for me because I remember watching you do comedy like 16 years ago or whatever Jesus. it was yeah. when you opened for Arj Barker. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking like, this guy's fucking unreal. Right. Yeah. And so <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> so, so, uh, uh, I'm hoping some of your story is going to be why a guy that I could see easily being a household I just name. borrowed two bucks for a can of coke. <laughs> <laughs> that would be one of my questions is, I think you're probably one of the most naturally funny blokes in the country. Yeah. And I'm like, and I remember seeing you back then and thinking you're unreal. I'm like, why is this cunt not a household name? Yeah. <laughs> is that is that part of the sideways story you're going to talk about or no? Oh, not really. No. Like not with comedy because, yeah. man, comedy, there's a lot of luck involved. Yeah. And, you know, it's a small country with a small population. Yeah. You know, and even people that are there will say, oh, yeah, there's an element of yeah right place right time like obviously hard work comes into it as well and everyone, yep. everyone that's there that stays there works their ass off and yep. everyone that gets it and fades didn't yeah but yeah where do you sit somewhere in the middle <laughs> oh no i work my ass off yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i just i don't know i like doing stuff on my own yeah 
which is good. Yep. Because you have control of it. Yeah. But then at the same time, if you look at what goes through, it's a lot of teams. Yep. You know, not teams together, but it's like, oh, okay, you're part of that whole. So they all give each other a leg up. Is that what you're saying? Kind of. Yeah. 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 No, and that's like everything. Yeah. You know, that goes in everywhere. Yep. And like, I, I mean, my, I'm happy with where my career is. I was having this conversation with the other, someone the other day. I said, I'm happy where it is. Like, I've got nothing to prove to myself. Yep. You know, like I like stand up and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you, you still, you still have oh, fun I love with it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Like, tell me about the job. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about the job. <laughs> the only thing is you can't do it longer yep. for more time per day. Yep. You know what I mean? Like in the sense of uh, one gig a night, maybe two, if you can work it out. But if you could do it, do you do you um, travel much for it? Yeah, yeah, I did, especially before COVID. Yeah, and then COVID hit, and I kind of put the brakes on, and I just kind of went. I like being in Sydney, so I've cut back some of it. Like I really don't want to get back on a cruise ship. Yeah, you've done a lot of cruise ships. Yeah, yeah, just for a couple of years there. Do they pay well? Because like I see guys that are on them all the time, and it looks like it'd be a pretty good gig. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a reality. So, you know those relationships where everyone posts about how great it is online, yeah. but yeah, then, yeah, yeah. you know, then they break up. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of one of those. Like, <laughs> the gigs it's, are good. Yeah, but it's but then you're stuck on a boat. Is that? <laughs> yeah, and also like the, it's just it's floating capitalism. Yeah, but then the way you you know like you just rolled out when they need you. They essentially care about the bar, photography, and shore excursions, and yeah, everything okay. else is an expense. Do you have to do, like, uh, you've got to have, like, quite a lot of material for those, don't you? I've seen guys that are on those now, and they've got to have, like, an hour of clean and then an hour of, like, um, non-clean material. Yeah, or some of them it's just clean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's a story about, um, oh, I can't remember who it was. I think it might be Lawrence <laughs> Mooney. Yeah. And, like, he did one, and they said to him, well, you can't make any jokes about the captain. And he worked straight out, and he was like, all right, so I was fucking the captain. <laughs> and, <laughs> and did he ever get a cruise no, ship? Please don't quote me. That, like, there is a story about Mooney being a one and done, <laughs> but there's also a story about, I'm pretty sure, ostentatious being a one and done as well. So, like, it could have been either of them, but I know Mooney's got a one and done as well. That's so funny. But then that you also get, like, instant legendary status for doing Oh, totally. Well. Like, it still goes. <laughs> like, it still goes. Oh, I'm fucking the captain. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, no, like, the money's okay, but it's not, like, it's a lifestyle trade-off. Yeah. It's like, do you want money in your bank and never be at home or be at home and... You know, do you uh, do you do many fucked festival shows? Yeah, I did like a lot. I did like I've done thirteen Melbournes, like wow, Sydney eleven times. Wow, like I've done every Sydney. Yeah, since it started. Yeah, uh, yeah, the fringes, Edinburgh, Adelaide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What's what's been your favourite? <sighs> when they end. <laughs> 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 no, they're good fun. They're so much fun, and you get a lot out of them. But then if you don't, if that's not your path. Mm. Like if that's not your way through, like I've had this conversation with Cassie Workman once outside town hall and yeah. like she'd been nominated for the best show, like best newcomer, best show, all that kind of stuff. And then we're talking, it was like five, six years later. And I said, I just feel like we're digging sideways. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said, we just. <laughs> There's no full progress happening here. And every time I say it now, she's like, I always remember when you said that because that's exactly how it feels. <laughs> well, I feel – because I've put my hand up to do Melbourne this year yeah. and um, I've, I'm doing 16 shows at like 10.30 at night 
Um, and <laughs> I've got no idea. I feel like I'm, I'm in for a fucking world of pain. You not know, really, not really. It'll just be like this, except I won't be talking. <laughs> back. And you got to fill the hour. <laughs> that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. No, that's good. So, shit going sideways. Yeah, tell me about it. What, 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 when do you want to know? Like, which which part of my life are we talking about? Childhood? And yeah, this, these are not going to keep up with. <laughs> um, I mean, the biggest one I'd have would probably be, I mean, the most recent one would be the start of lockdown. Yeah, so what happened? Well, I'd never really drank much alcohol. Mm. Like, your entire life before? Yeah, now. well, when I was, like, I drank from, like, you know, 16 to, like, 19. Like, I quit swimming. I swam till I was 16, and then I quit, and then I started partying. Were you good in the pool? Yeah. I can imagine. You've got the, the, frame, <laughs> you got the frame for it. It's hard to say that and not sound like a hero, but yeah. Yeah. You got... <laughs> and um, I quit that, but then I, like, I always felt I was missing something. You know, like, so parties would happen at school, and I'd have to be home at 9.30 or 10, because I had training the next morning. Well, that's the and trade-off that kind of stuff. Have, and, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I... um. Stopped that and started smoking and then I started drinking and then I discovered pot. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I like this more than alcohol. So it was about 19, 20 that I said, I'm not drinking anymore. And I stopped drinking and I didn't touch it till about a year before lockdown. And I just have like a glass of wine with dinner. So but, what you were just, your drug of choice was just weed. Yeah. 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 Massively. Yeah. Like, and it was good. It stopped me gambling. Because yeah, I didn't, good. I didn't want to be anywhere with big bright lights, <laughs> <laughs> flashing things because I was so paranoid. <laughs> and you also, I mean, compared to the money people spend on booze going out, right? You're totally. Saving a lot of money there as well. Oh, you'd think. No. <laughs> <laughs> smoking that much weed. You'd think. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I forgot to factor in how much weed you're smoking. Talk yeah. to some. And how much, how much money you're spending on munchies, right? Yeah. Let's not discuss that. Yeah, all right. Let's not look at my bank balance. <laughs> um, yeah, and then like, yeah, lockdowns kind of started and uh, we were just talking, I was talking with the producer before about, um, like I said, I just started playing a lot of video games, but I also, like my drinking starting time got earlier, yeah. but the ones with dinner never stopped. And then they started after dinner too. And like, so I went from a glass or two at dinner to all of a sudden I was drinking like three or four bottles of wine. What, in a night? No, in a day. Yeah, fuck. Like yeah, an yeah. all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't even realize how long, like how much it was till I saw a doctor and he's like, ah, that's 28 drinks. I'm like, Jesus Christ. The, you just reminded me, the article that came out in the Daily Telegraph um, after I got sentenced, it said, Andrew Hamilton, comedian, PR man, pizza shop owner, and now convicted drug supplier, right? And yeah. underneath it said, um, a one-time King's Cross pizza shop owner uh, who was consuming 30 bottles of wine a week has now been convicted of blah, 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 blah. <laughs> 30 bottles of wine a week. Yeah, so that would that's have a been, lot. That's about four so, a day. That's about four. <laughs> so yeah, that's, right. I was doing the math. I was like, it sounds like I was doing about the same as you. But what, you are doing them at night or? Uh, well, it was all day and night because I wasn't sleeping for like days at a time, right? Because yeah, I just okay. sit there and have a coke fuel bender. Yeah, okay. For like three or four, sometimes five days. And the whole time I would just, I'd have uh, Jimmy Brings bring over like cases of wine and then I'd sit there with like four or five packs of ciggies and just go wine, line, smoke, wine, line, smoke, wine, line, smoke. And it's so, I mean, I never did it with lines, but it's so easy to drink them when like, once you get on a roll. Oh, no, I know that exact. <laughs> like, I have done them when I'm younger. <laughs> yeah. And I know that exact sequence. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, well, that went quick. Yeah, <laughs> and then suddenly yeah. and my fingers are pale yellow because I've smoking so much cigarettes. But, yeah, that's why you made me think of that. So I know what it's like to be sinking that much piss. But Was it a problem for you? 
Uh, like in the sense, like when you stopped it, did you notice it or did you stop a lot of things at once? And I mean, I, I don't know what was stopped what. it all because the Raptor squad smashed through my door. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, sobering up in, in jail, uh, no, I mean, I felt like shit because I hadn't slept for a few days, but then I, I didn't like have any kind of major withdrawals. I didn't feel oh, that's like that's all right. Yeah. That must have been a humbling experience, though, like sleeping in. Like those first few nights in prison, going, oh. like what if I die? Like you know what I mean when and, you get your clear head and oh, it was made so much worse. By, down. Oh, it was all <laughs> it was all bad. But then you're in quarantine with no nothing to read, no TV, nothing. So, like you're just constantly stuck in your own thoughts. Yeah, in your head. Yeah, yeah. And that was like the only only thing I was thinking was like, fuck, I'm I've fucked myself. Like, yeah, shit's <laughs> gone sideways. Game, game over. Actually, there's an interesting. There's an interesting comparison for you, seeing as you've, you've you've seen one of them and I've seen the other. Like I met my girlfriend. Yeah, uh, she was she ran all of the entertainment on a cruise ship. Right, and, uh, like she lives here now. You know, like she, and that was like. Did I hear you say somewhere else that she's Canadian? Yeah, 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 she's Canadian. Yeah. Um, but what, there was an article with a video, and it was from the inside of Parkley Prison, and I sent it to her with no context whatsoever. Yeah. And all she wrote back once she saw the inside of a cell was, it's better than a crew cabin. (laughs) 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 She's how they got four windows. That's legit, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was pretty funny. But yeah, like, yeah, at the start of lockdown, I started drinking. And you don't notice it, right? Because it just creeps up. Yep. And then all of a sudden, like, it just started getting earlier and earlier. And then all of a sudden, I'm starting at like 10 a.m. But you're you're living with your missus, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so sh- was she working from home? Yeah. And so <laughs> she's trying to do work and you're just like on the wines. At but the I, like because I just topped it up all day, I wasn't really drunk. Yeah. Like she'd say it to me, uh, you know, like t- towards the end, she said to me, I think you're getting a drinking problem. And I said, well, I'm never drunk. And, I, you know, what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it's just like going through that many, that much in a day. It's, like it, it's also, yeah, I mean, that much in a day plus if you're thinking, oh, I should crack open the wines, like, before before midday, that always strikes me as, like... Mate, the worst one, I got up, no shit, I threw up in the sink. It was just, like, red wine-coloured backsplash. That's like it, was, you don't know if it's, like, you, you got... You don't know if it's blood or Yeah, there red, was, no, there was nothing like, solid to it. It yeah. was just this red wine-coloured spray... And I was just shaky and sweaty, and I'm like, that's disgusting. And I had some scrambled eggs and a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> you think that that would be the thing where you're like, oh, maybe you should put down the booze. No, that's what bit. I did. <laughs> that was when I was like, all right, you know what? Maybe I should try and do something here and try, mate. It's, yeah, I don't know. Like, to anyone that's ever gone through alcohol withdrawals, I spoke to a lot of people like that I know have done it because, you know, there's no shortage in comedy. Yep. And yeah, and I was like, no, I know what I'm in for. I've done this with other substances. So <laughs> did like, you rein it back? Did you rein it back in? Yeah, I just stopped it, but I had help. It, what, like medicine? Yeah, from take, my GP. Yeah, so because I um I had that. I was diagnosed previously with alcohol use disorder, which is like not an alcoholic, but when I drink, I just I become an absolute degenerate. Right, I can't. Once I start, I can't stop, and so I got um, prescribed naltrexone for yeah, that. Yeah, I've had that, and um. I found that that helped um, to an extent because it just uh, dulled the effects of alcohol. Like I'd have to drink way more to feel the same, like to get drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that meant that I was less likely to gamble or do cocaine because I was much more likely to do those when I was drunk, if that makes sense. Well, I'd say out of the three that they prescribe, like the psychopharma ones or whatever they're called, 
for that stuff, like Ant Abuse, Naltrexone and yep. what's the other one, Campbell, yep. I'd say Naltrexone was the only one that did anything for me. Really? Because I, I, it I, actually did. Like I could feel it in my head. Like you don't, I didn't feel anything from it, but yep. there was definitely that, no, I don't want to drink. I don't need to drink. And that's what it does. So Ant Abuse is supposed to make you like violently throw up or feel sick. It's meant sick. to make you feel sick if, and it brings if, on the effects of a hangover. Did within. you try that one? Yeah. Did it work? No. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, not with me. Like, I didn't feel any worse than had I had another, like, had I not had it and had a drink. Yeah, okay. Because my brother-in, my ex-brother-in-law, he um, he used to take it and I would it would it worked effectively because he knew how terrible he would feel if he drank on it, so it stopped him from having it. But Yeah, right. Um, so, I mean, obviously these things work differently on different people, but... Oh, well, look, to be honest with you, the first time they give it to you and the doctor gives it to you and they go, look, this is going to make you not want to drink and if you do, you're going to be sick. Mm. Your head goes, we'll see about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I would have been curious as well. I never got quite to the point... Um, <laughs> I think that was going to be the next step for me was trying air abuse, so then I would have definitely <laughs> tested it. Right? Well, I did. Just that curiosity thing. I know someone that did, like, there's a, yeah, oh, Fleety did that with, he said that when I did my podcast with him, like, when he was on now track zone, the first thing he did was went and scored and straight in his arm. Yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. And yeah, like, I did it. I went to the, uh, the what is it? The, the, my GP referred me to the drug and alcohol place in, Newtown? Yep. And I went there, like, to do the outpatient thing. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you'd know the kind of people because I'm sure half of them have been in similar facilities to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, actually, side note, I did a gig with someone a few weeks ago and they just came out of rehab for prescription stuff. Really? Yeah. And, like, they really wanted to go and they were ready to go and they were ready to get clean. But I said, what was it like? I said, because I'm, like, going in. I said, that's terrifying. And he's like, oh, no, 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 the security. And, you know, it's all that. But I said, the guy next to me is just like tweaking like a meth head just coming down just in his room, just going, the fucking judge, fucking judge. Just like, just, you know. Crazy like, cunts. Yeah, and yeah. also like there's so many guys that I know that have gone to rehab and like they've smuggled in so many drugs like into rehab. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, either for themselves or, or, like, other or other people. and um, It's like that Breaking Bad when Jesse goes there to sell a meth. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, yeah, right? It's exactly like that. There, I, there was a guy that was in Park Lake Prison with me who had been kicked out of rehab and sent to prison because he had found some plant on, in the back, backyard of this rehab center that they could smoke. And so he rolled it up and a couple of the guys smoked it. And then, like, no one knew about it. And the next day, these guys have these fucking, um, like, truth circles, right, where they're encouraged to dob each other in. And this guy just fully snitched on him. And, oh, really? Yeah. And so then he was just kicked out of the rehab center and told, you've got, like, uh, seven hours or six hours to report to the police station <laughs> to be taken to prison. Oh, so he just, yes. I think he went to the pub or something for a couple of hours and then handed himself in. But when he got to Park Lee, he said to me, because uh, I was trying to get bail from prison to rehab, right? And yeah, he goes, yeah. oh, don't worry, mate. He goes, don't bother. They're stricter in, in rehab than they are in jail. He goes, you're better off here. <laughs> this is a maximum security prison. Mate, the perspective that yeah. you have to have at rock bottom. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, oh, prison's better than rehab. Yeah, yeah. imagine a guy... <laughs> Trying to talk me how to go to rehab. He's like, fuck that, man. They're too strict there. And I'm like, they're too strict in rehab. 
I did I did some of the online things, which I found interesting. You know, the um, smart therapy and behavioural stuff. And I don't know if you ever looked at AA or any of those. I, I've I've been to GA before, but I've never been to AA. What's GA? Gambling Anonymous. Oh, okay. Oh, were you a gambler? Yeah. Oh, what was your thing? Anything and everything. Really? Pokies. Where'd you start though? Pokies? Yeah. yeah, everyone starts on pokies. Mm. Yeah. yeah right. and did you progress to anything major or? Um, uh, I bet on sports, TAB. Um, yeah, right. You know, you know, well, I suppose with a non-stop income yeah. like that, yeah, you can kind of do whatever you want. I taught myself how to count cards at the start of lockdown as well, like for blackjack. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have yeah. you ever tried it the cast? The mass works. Yeah. Like it does. I got to the point where I was doing it like on games. Like I'd, I got all the blackjack apps and all the games and I was trying just trying the maths, but there's just no way I could do it that fast, like at a table. So you're not quite Dustin Hoffman level yet. And also, like, I did go down a rabbit hole on it, and you've got people that have done it, and it's like, oh, yeah. So you can do it with one deck of cards, is that what you're saying? But, like, when they – at the casinos, they use, like, multiple, six or eight. multiple decks. But it only adds one extra step into the count. Okay. Like, it's not as complicated as they thought, and a lot of casinos got rid of that because it took away casual gamblers, and they make more off casual gamblers than they lose off people that know how to count, even counting – isn't, really? isn't legal. So what? So the, the, are you saying that they they got rid of the multiple decks, or that they don't police too much? No, a lot accounting? of a lot of them don't use multiple decks anymore. Yeah, okay. You know, a lot of them did get rid of it because it's yeah. But they're still the iron sky. We still be looking for someone counting, right? Totally. Yeah. So that's why yeah. can you do it? And yeah. and like I think as a comic, like I probably definitely could train myself. Yeah. To sit there with a straight face and just well, like, you, yeah, you, but surely you could get away with it once. Yeah, right? but it's just doing the numbers <laughs> so quickly, and it's not. Nothing's guaranteed. Mm. It's just put the bet up when the numbers are in your favor. Yeah. And take it down when they're not. Yeah. Like, would you, if you got a five, mm. would you, like, if you got 15, would you hit or would you? Well, if you're saying that from card counting, you're saying that I, I have like an 85% chance that I'll, that I won't bust if I hit, yeah. then I would hit, right? Yeah. Because that's, that's the whole point of what you're saying is the card, with the count, card counting, you're, you know when you've got a higher probability of being safe when you when you hit again, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I I'm not good enough to do that. So I'm just like a, I'm there as a drunk cunt with 15 going. I've got a lucky feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Let it hit, mate. There's all these things online. There's even like I had at one stage. I had this thing saved, and it just shows you everything to hit on, everything to fold on, everything to double on. Yeah, you know, and it's just like, oh wow, this is yeah. Like there's a there is a maths to it obviously but then yeah people are reading stuff online and guys are like yeah but at the end of the day you're sitting in the casino for 12 hours a day for minimum wage it's not glamorous yeah you're only going to make a lot of money if you got a lot of money yeah sure you know and then there was another guy that's like well i went in with 10 grand prepared to lose it and i've never gone into my original you know like i do it once a month once a week kind of thing i'd rather i if if i was ever gamble again i much prefer just playing poker like again against guys and just paying the what the blinds to the casino or whatever but um playing against but you can people, right? you can win but you can never win right because mm. what do they have to pay out like the amount they have to pay out casinos for, for, it's like pokies as well there's a certain amount that has to be paid out um i mean it's just the balance of probabilities, what on a roulette wheel or whatever. The, 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 the but even those are tipped in. Like I think I can't remember what it is, but you know the the house edge or whatever they call it. Yeah, like the casino's edge. 
Yeah, well, I mean, they've got the what zero and double zero on a on a roulette wheel, right? And that's the the house. Yeah. Is it roulette that has thirty six? Yeah. Okay, so numbers, and then there's then there's the zeros. So right? if you hit the number in, I don't know if here, but definitely in the states, like if you hit the number in the states, it only pays thirty to one, not thirty six. Yeah. Okay. So there's that house edge. Yeah. You know what I mean? So even when they lose, they're still winning. Yep. They still take off the top because they've always got that slight advantage. That's yeah. why I landed on blackjack. I mean, there's still a house edge, yep. but it's the only one where the odds don't change every game. It's three to two Yeah. every time, you well, know? Well, that's why I prefer just to play poker because I'd rather just be like losing to some other or winning yeah, losing to your mates. some dickhead yeah, 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 yeah. Than, than the casino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. We did a lot of that at school. We started gambling. Drinking, <laughs> all the degenerate stuff. So you're still drinking now, but just less um, or what? No, I stopped. Well, hang on, let's keep going. So I went to the, I went to the, um, uh, the a place at RPA, and I got called in to see the doctor, and they just treat you like anyone off the street, obviously, because it's not a private rehab facility. So you could go in there in a tuxedo, and they're still going to treat you like you're out on parole. Yep. And um, just you know, this is what it is. One size fits all. Yeah, and I was like, okay, if, if that's what it is, I said I got a script for that at home, and I got fifty Valium. Like, if you're only going to give me twenty, <laughs> like I'm just going to do it at home. Like, I'm not going to walk up here every day, yeah, just to get a couple of Tic Tacs and then walk home. You know, like I said, this place is a trigger. And I'm like, all right, so I did that, and like the first three days, I was having like maybe eight or ten of them by lunchtime, just to stop the shaking. Wow. Like, it was so bad. Like, I couldn't do anything. Like, I literally sat on the floor for a good couple of weeks. It's crazy that, like, you got that affected um, over, like, such a, a short time period. But it escalated quickly. Yeah. yeah. You know? Maybe, it was, maybe that's what it was. Your body wasn't was, wasn't used to it. Yeah, maybe. After being a weed smoker for decades. But if it wasn't used to it, I wouldn't have gotten up to four bottles. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm just saying. Like, I I went I went straight hard cold turkey, no alcohol, and I and I, and I didn't have um, those kind of effects. But they, they sounds horrible. Right? It was awful. Yeah, I know someone else that was a big drinker too, and she said the same thing. She's like, no, I didn't really get any physical. Mm. And that's what my doctor said to me. He goes, look, some people do, some people don't. Like you build up a tolerance quickly, but maybe it was because it was over a shorter time period. Maybe the, the, when you cut it off, your body wasn't quite ready for that. I don't yeah, know. maybe. But yeah, I did relapse. Yeah. And then I, I did it again for a couple of months. Yeah. And my problem is when I relapse with things, I don't go back to just dabbling. Yeah. Like there's a day of dabble and then the next day is like more than it ever was. But you were, but you were saying you, you weren't getting drunk. Is that right? You were just drinking. Tipsy. Yeah. But like I was never hammered. Like yeah. I wasn't slurring my words. I wasn't falling over. Like another alcoholic said to me, oh, you're, they asked how I drank and I told them. I said, the glass is never empty. And they're like, oh, so you're a topper. A topper. I, I said, what's that? They go, you're just constantly topping the glass up. And I'm like, yeah, it's never empty. And they're like, oh, okay. I was a binger. So I just drink from like five to seven and then stop. Yeah. Whereas I think if you're drinking all day, like if you if if you know you're at, you start drinking at seven, yeah. like it starts to get hard around five. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's oh, like, I want to drink, I want to drink. But if you drink all day, like you've got that feeling all day. I'm not saying either of them are easier to beat, mm. but maybe that's why psychologically it was a little bit trickier because yep. it was like an all, it was an all day thing you know that just kind of got out of hand does your missus drink at all yeah but she's a one and done <clears throat> okay you know like she'll have a glass and stop 
So she's just so she jo- joined you for one drink at some point in the afternoon or evening, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but when you, well, meanwhile, you're up to like glass number ten or something. Do you want a, do you want a glass of wine with your omelet? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so at some point she'd join you for one and then leave it, leave you to it. Yeah, she'd just kind of tap out or you know keep working and doing a thing, and I'd just be like, "There, yeah, I'm self-employed." <laughs> Out of the bottle like a bum. And were you swapping? the booze for weed or still smoking weed at the same time <laughs> like are we gone we gone from one to the other or we do we now we're doing two no no we're doing two yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Now we're doing two. <laughs> do you, did it affect your uh intake of weed at all were you doing like more or less because of the wine mm, probably the same yeah okay no effect yeah probably the same maybe you know a little bit more because you're a little bit more carefree yeah and, you know, you spill some, you're like, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, just rem- you just gave me a flashback to um, having a full glass of red wine in bed one time. And I was, because I had like a um, TV in my bedroom and I was watching this like horror movie called The Thing. Yeah. A John Carpenter film. And it was like a scary bit in that. It scared me so much. I went, ah! I'm like, <laughs> I threw the whole glass of like red wine in the air i could just remember it raining down on like white bed sheets red wine it's only red wine for me though what are we drinking shiraz pinot noir yeah shiraz yeah shiraz yeah no pinot good full-bodied yeah red. Yeah, 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 yeah 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 thick with some <laughs> legs you know <laughs> nice good stuff i never really liked white wine i drank whiskey when i was younger but that was more because beer just made me go to the toilet you know a lot what just made you want to pierce all, yeah. all night? Yeah. And then wine, the way I started to justify that to myself in the beginning when I started drinking, it's like, oh no, people say one glass of wine a day is healthy. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I started with that. And then, you know, down it goes. And then, yeah, I went to a wedding and had a glass at a wedding. And um, I was like, oh, that's right. This is fun. This is nice. You know, and then I went to a musical and had a glass there. And I was like, oh, that, that was like a week later. I'm like, oh, that was fun too. Yeah. But then that was enough to, and then every time after that, you're just trying to recreate like the fun, it's like chasing a high. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's never the same. It's like the first time I played a video game and I was a little bit tipsy and I was beating up other people online. I'm like, this is so much fun. And then you try it again and it's like, oh, I'm too sloppy and I can't see straight. Do you think part of it was because <clears throat> during lockdown, like people were just so bored. I think so many people were drinking way, way more than they've ever done. Oh, definitely. Because they're just stuck in their own houses. Oh, yeah. Suicide levels went up. Yeah. Like, everything went up. Yeah, definitely. Like, you see all that stuff, even in comedy clubs when people ask, mm. who drank way more than they should have in lockdown? Did you f- find that it uh, affected your um, your mood? Were you... Were Massively. You, yeah. Way more than weed. You, way more. Like, to the point where, like, I'm on antidepressants now. Still. Yeah. Like, after I got clean, like, after I stopped drinking... Like I went back to, like I spent a good, after I, like I came out of it, whatever, and I could get up off the floor, I spent probably six months in bed. And when I say that, I mean, I'd get up, walk the dog and I'd go home. I'd be back in bed by nine. Yeah, fuck. My girlfriend would be going to work and I'd be diving into bed with the dog and, you know, and then I'd just lie there with my eyes closed, not asleep till, till like four and I'd walk him again. Did it hit you coming with lockdown, right? You've gone from being a stand up comedian mm. to have nothing to do because there's no fucking gigs yeah um i mean that must have felt pretty shit i was ready for a break i gotta say oh like the first okay. i loved it the first one i fucking loved it but looking back it was a nightmare 
because <laughs> you know, all I did was drink and play video yeah. games. But when it came, I was like, this is the best. I was Because I was away two weeks a month. Yeah. You know, I was constantly on the road. I was always in hotels and whatever. I was like, no, nah, I'm ready to spend some time at home. Had a dog. I just want to spend some time with my dog and my girlfriend, you know. And then, yeah, all of a sudden it's three years later. And I'm like, oh, no, this could have ended two years ago. Like, I don't know if that drinking thing would have happened if COVID didn't. Yeah. Because I would have been working every night. Yep. You know? And like that's the one thing still, like if I've got a gig, I won't drink. And see it. And it's also that thing of like, you know, idle hands, you sit around bored for so long, you'll find something to do to fill the time, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, it just blows my mind though, like how many people will say like pot's bad. And I'm not saying it's great, but yeah. like from someone that did that a lot, like a lot, and that someone that then did it with alcohol, like stopping pot, I've never felt as bad as I did as when I stopped alcohol. Mm. And when I say that, I mean, even after, like mentally, like I went to the doctor and I told him, I said, man, I've been in bed for, you know, all day for like a good six months. And he's like, oh yeah, you're depressed. He goes, you're getting all that fake serotonin from the drinking. Mm. And now it's up to your brain to produce it. And it's, you know what I mean? So there was an under supply of serotonin. So I was just like, mm. and he, prescribed antidepressants and I was really apprehensive to go on them and I took them and I've got to say it's probably the only thing that actually got me out of bed really that, they that say, oh massively yeah. massively and I've had them before and they didn't so maybe I got the right ones or maybe I was actually that far gone that you know but I did notice it and they said look I tell you it builds up over a while it's not going to be instant but I definitely noticed that over a couple of weeks it's like oh no I do feel that's a ridiculous fear like that's stupid do you still take them now uh yeah 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 but cut way back. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, I would like to stop them, you know. That's what you, yeah, I, I dated uh, a couple of girls that have been on antidepressants and one of them tried to like just stop them cold turkey and that went terribly. I think you, you do need to wean yourself back off them, don't you? Well, I don't know. Cause I, I mean, I do know that, yes, because I lived with someone else who was on them and the same thing happened to them and they went pretty nuts when they ran out. Yeah. But then the ones I'm on, I've had days where I don't fill the script Yeah. for like a week after they've run out yeah. and I'm fine. Kind of thing. Like I do notice it a little bit, but not enough to like these ones don't do anything. The last ones I had like made my mouth really dry. I could kind of feel a buzz. Yeah. Whereas these ones I just take them and it's just like that's it. Do you think it affects like are, are there any other side effects that you notice that are negative from not on these ones? Yeah. I will say that. But on the other ones I was put on definitely. But I think it depends on who is taking them as well. Yeah. You know, like a lot of uh, doctors look down on brain science. But, mate, our bodies are the same. Every heart does the same thing. Everyone's lugs are meant to do the same thing. Like everyone's head is different. And I think that's why, Doc, when it comes to that stuff, it's like try these ones, try these ones, try these ones. Because yeah, they don't know about the why. You know what I mean? Like it's a harder thing to, to diagnose. So, yeah, the first lot were they just made me so flat. And I'd get up on stage completely emotionless. Fuck, like a zombie. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just kind of zonked. That's why know? I'm afraid to... Uh, I've been unmedicated uh, from... Well, I've got ADHD. Yeah. I've been unmedicated for... Since I was like 18. Mm. So what's that been? Like 18 years. Because when, I used to have them when I was 16. I used to have like eight dexamphetamine tablets a day. Mm. And... It helped me to concentrate. But then I was like a zombie all day. And I'd grind my teeth... In class, when I lay in bed at night, my mind would just be racing and I, like, I find it very hard to go to sleep. And so, I, yeah, they helped me to concentrate at school and mellow me out a bit, but the side effects were just so shit that it's like turned me off them. 
I found, I mean, Dex is a pharmaceutical <clears throat> meth, right? It's just a micro dose of yep. meth. And so I'd be terrified if I took them now, uh, that like similar to that, that I'd try and do comedy and be a zombie on stage. Or, I, but it also killed my appetite. I love food. Like I just, I, I, I'm not convinced. I, I know I need to play around with it because I have so much trouble concentrating now. But uh, I, I'm scared of the the side effects of being medicated again. Well, I think Ritalin is meant to be a little bit smoother. Yeah, I know someone that has ADHD and they've been on both, and they said that to me because I had a prescription for Dexys. Yeah, and I just didn't like. I didn't have ADHD. Yeah, like he said that you don't have it. Here you go. <laughs> so I tried it and with comedy I'd say it was cheating but I was saying that this other person I was saying I just didn't like it I said they made like yeah I could do things faster and whatnot but everything was quicker yeah. like I got angry faster <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. every emotion was right at the top and I felt like on stage it was cheating yeah because you're putting down hecklers before they even <laughs> <up. laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know but then he said yeah Ridland's a lot smoother like it's not as an aggressive, yeah. I used to take modafinil, which is like um, used off-label as a, like a drug for ADHD, but it's supposed to be for like um, um, people with uh, like uh, sleep pr um, problems. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's used off-label as a as a drug to help people with ADHD, but it's not specifically designed for that. Um, but if you go to a doctor and say that you're a shift worker or something like that, they'll you can say that you've had friends that have used modafinil and it's worked for them, and you can get it. Otherwise, you can order it from like India for like fucking nothing. And so I used to, it was, if you read articles about it, it was referred to as like the limitless drug. And so I used to have that sometimes, and that used to make a big difference to me. I have heard of it. <clears throat> what what's in it? Or is this something I'm going to have to look up afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a doctor. No, because no, it is something I have heard of before. Yeah, but yeah, I used to take, uh, I, I took that for a while and that um, certainly seemed to help me to concentrate without having the negative side effects of um, of what I was experiencing with Dexys. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, they're, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's kind of hard. Like I slept okay when I was taking them. Like I slept pretty well. Like I even said that to the guy, what's this going to do to my sleep? Like, you'll be fine. You'll, you'll sleep better. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. And it was like, after a while I did, but I still remember when I went to see him, like on the morning, he gave me the script and I went, all right, I'll go pick these up. It was like, my appointment was at nine o'clock in the morning. I was so tired. I'm like, I'm getting, I'm having a nap as soon as I get home. <laughs> and I picked them up at the chemist and I thought, I'll just try one. And I had it. Yeah. And then I just lay on the couch face down with my eyes open, just staring at the floor for like four hours. Like I wanted to sleep, but I couldn't. Oh, wow. You know, you're so wired? Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. they kicked in. I'm like, well, I know I'm tired, but. <laughs> just staring at the ground chewing my jaw yeah that's what i'm afraid of um I mean, there seems to be a lot of people um talk that are getting diagnosed with adhd now nah you're just in comedy now. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot a lot in comedy right that are on stage at the moment saying oh, i was just recently diagnosed with adhd or people that um, think that they are, but uh, yeah, so who knows? It sounds like there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be either getting prescribed Ritalin or Dexys. I think it's also like a lot with comedy, especially, I feel like a lot of people come into it and then start looking for something wrong with them. Like to, ju mean? to justify it. <laughs> to justify the reasons they got into comedy or just the... No, their the mentalness <laughs> or, whatever, or whatever it is, whatever yeah. their thing is. Like I did a game show once and I won't name the other act. 
but it was like a how well do you know kind of thing. And um, the question I got asked about them was how old were they when they got diagnosed with ADHD? Yeah. And one of the other guests had a stab and he was like, oh, 11. And I went, how old are you now? And they went, 36. And I said, how old were you when you started doing comedy? And like, 31. I said, 32. And they <laughs> went, fuck you. Because <laughs> like, I got it, you know. Because I just thought, yeah, straight away, yeah. You know, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong. But yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people just got, like, you feel, I don't know, like comedy is just a bunch of ragtag, bunch of misfits, you yeah. know, and then you feel like, oh, maybe there is something. A lot of lost souls. Yeah, and you fun. felt yeah. different your whole life. And then you're like, well, maybe there is. And, you know, and then you talk to a doctor and, I what, mean. What made you first do comedy? A friend suggested it to me. Yeah. Like, we were at, an open, we were at a gig somewhere. <laughs> and I think it might have been an open mic night. And he said, I reckon you could do that. And then I just thought about it for about two years. Like, mm. I was, like I watched a lot of stuff. How old were you? You must have been young. 22. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, young. And then, yeah, I did it. And it went well. And then I kind of just kept doing it. Like I got offered another gig that night yeah, and it kind of just went from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting though because I look back now, especially after the last three years, it's like, fuck, I haven't, I don't know, I've done, like I've done a lot, you know, I've run a business and most of this stuff I would not have done if it wasn't for comedy. Like I doubt I would have seen as much of the world as I have, you know, I'd probably just be a suburban kid from black, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. opened my eyes a lot, which is great. But then at the same time, it's like, how do you translate these skills to the real world? <laughs> like, how do I relate to everyone else? Yeah. Like Akmal said to me once, he's like, mate, this is the biggest scam, this job. I'm like, what do you mean? Because <laughs> you just make jokes and people give you money. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, but then you speak to the average person and like, fuck, I could never do that, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I have people that come up to me after a gig. I remember once on a cruise ship, a guy came up to me after a gig and I really don't like talking about it. Like I understand why they do, especially if they've just seen it. But I'll always, not deflect, but I'll deflect and generally ask questions about them and just pray that I hit on something interesting. And he was a prison guard. Oh. And I was like, well, why are yeah. we talking about comedy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that stuff. That's interesting. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, what are the guards like in Australia? Uh, I mean, it varies, like, um, from, I think, from prison to prison and person to person. There's plenty of guys that failed to become cops that become prison guards, right? That are just like act like heroes. With, yeah, okay. Yeah. And some of them a, are probably just doing a job, a, right? A belt full of tools and like acting like the absolute renter cops. And there's guys that are just doing it like a job. And when you ask them a question or try and talk to them, they'll treat you like a human being. But then other ones just look at you like you're an absolute piece of dirt. So it, it varies. Bright. Demoralizing. <clears throat> I found it <clears throat> dehumanizing. Uh, it, I, I certainly think, um, from my experience anyway, that uh, they're way worse at um, private prisons. Um, so, like, Park Lee is a private-run facility. Oh, is it really? Yeah. And yeah, so... Right. I think, As opposed to state? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't so, know that. Yeah. So, like, um, like Long Bay Public Prison. Um, there's a few... I forget how many there are private jails in Australia, but there's, there's at least... There's a few of them. You would have thought the private ones would have been the ones where the money were and, you know, maybe more. Well, the the buildings and all the facility, like all the facilities is uh, more advanced mm -hmm. at the private prisons, but um, there just seems to have been like an absolutely toxic culture for the guards that work there compared to uh, places like Long Bay where the place is an absolute shithole. It's run down, but at least 
um, the prison officers that work there seem to um, they seem to be like they're enjoying their job more, and they seem to, to be generally far more interested in treating inmates like human beings. If I mean, obviously, it's about mutual respect. If if you're being reasonable to them, they'll be reasonable back. But I thought there was a huge difference between um, the cultures between a private and a public. I think p private ones are toxic. I mean, outside of being there, making sure you don't get out and stopping any trouble that kicks off, what's the actual job of the guard? Like, I mean, I'm sure boredom sets in a lot. Yeah. They you know? they literally, there'd be guards at Long Bay that their job is to just sit outside a fence at the Oval and just sit there miles away from the guys that are on the other side of the oval just sit there and watch to make sure no one's like stabbing each other or bashing each other all day but they would just sit there not even watching the yard and just talk to each other or and just it, wait for a scream just, or something they just sit on a chair all day yeah, yeah they just got to drive you nuts yeah it'd be very boring and you can see why you know a lot of them uh, start to get overweight because <laughs> just... oh is that a thing <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah a lot of bigger ones but because i tell you what like there's a certain like to want to work in a prison even that psychologically is a interesting. It seemed like there were a lot of uh, there, there certainly is a psych uh, a profile of some women that get jobs there that they uh, oh, oh yeah right they they like the the ego boost of the attention. Okay. Oh I yeah, think, of course. I yeah, think there's a lot of that, and you can see so you can see how uh, some women get. Um, tricked into or, or, or um, seduced into doing favors for inmates, right? And you think, how does this happen all the time where female prison officers get arrested for like smuggling in drugs for an inmate or having sex with an inmate, uh, right? But <laughs> because uh, there are only these guys that either probably already predisposed to be attracted to bad boys, but then also they've got these guys that are constantly um putting on the smooth talk on them all day and then eventually it lands my inmate sex with a guard i think that might have topped george costanza's conjugal visit sex <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like, that's pretty um because there's also the level of authority that has to be crossed that, that line of authority there was an article in the uh that i saw from the uk like recently of an inmate who um had it off with had it off. uh <laughs> a, 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 a prison officer working in the clinic yeah. or maybe she was a nurse in the clinic and a prison officer, right? Yeah, at right. the same time. So he was he was getting it off with two chicks. And That's this guy, funny. I looked at him, he was like, not a good looking fella. So I'm like, he must have been doing something. Yeah, right. He must have had something to offer. <laughs> That's wild. Did you see that cop in the States? The that one was in that, the paper? The one that made her way through the whole police team. But just the, just the headline of the article, the, the clip I saw was uh, officers suspended. Because one of them let five officers run a high-speed train on her. And I'm like, I know what that slang means, but surely that's not right. And then I've clicked into it. Yeah, it is right. Oh, mate, but even the sound effects in the background with train tracks and trains <laughs> People jump on that shit and make memes out of it so quickly. Oh, you can't make it up. You can't. You go onto, like, Instagram and it's just people posting uh, jokes, joke after joke after joke. Um, uh, it was like the whatever state it was, the police force – Team building exercise, and then it was just a picture of her, like as being yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> she's the team building exercise. That was, and they had a whole WhatsApp group chat, and apparently, like her husband's staying with her. Yeah, but also she claimed that they were in an open relationship, and he was like, "No, nah, I was never, I was never on board with that." But it's yeah, it sounds like he's a very 
um, conservative churchy guy that's going to be like, I'm going to stand by my wife. We're going to figure this out. <laughs> like, mate. <laughs> She's let, gone. <laughs> let her go. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's for odd. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> we hit that spot. So, yeah, so <laughs> is there any more to do with the drinking? No? We've, we've covered that? Oh, no, look, there's still definitely a psychological thing there. I mean, you could talk, I could talk about addiction on anything or whatever for hours. I find it fascinating, like an old brain but, kind of stuff. But you haven't really um, fallen victim to addiction too badly? Other than Nothing that. hardcore, you know, but like I've always, like, I mean, the I mean, alcohol is definitely the worst one, I'd say, like for what it did to me. Yeah. The most dangerous one was Oxy's. Yeah, okay. Like, but that was legitimate with a script, yeah. but I kind of saw it early. And I went to the doctor and I said, oh, this is... What was that prescribed for? I had a hernia operation, so I probably didn't even need them. Probably could have got given Panadine for it, but they gave me those with a repeat and yeah. I saw it through because, well, you know, they're good. Yeah. <laughs> and what was that like on oh, those? Oh, man. Oh, it was those yeah, and endo. Oh, really? No. Oh, it's them and endo. Like, it's just... Yeah. Like, I'm not going to glorify anything here, but yeah. It felt like you were in paradise for a bit. Well, I know now why people... That, Injecting drug users like constantly like that because if they wake up, I mean, if they fall asleep, it's gone. Yeah. So they're just like keeping themselves awake, and that's why they're drinking a lot of coffee and all that kind of stuff, just so they don't fall asleep and blow the high. Wow. You know. So yeah, those are. I woke up at four a.m. the first morning when I had none left, and my first thought was, "Fuck, I got no pills," and mate, I just sweated that entire day. Like I had. Like goosebumps, up my skin. I had diarrhea all day, and I'm like, "Oh, this is withdrawals." And I went to the doctor, and he's like, "Yeah, they're withdrawals. Do you want more?" And I said, "No." Fuck. <laughs> I said, "Give me Valium and Panadine Fort, and like I'll wean myself off." And I did that over a couple of weeks. But in that time, I watched so many like documentaries, and I did a lot of reading up on those drugs. But isn't it crazy how quickly the doctors just jump on? Going to jump on? Do you want more? Yeah. Yeah. And, but, yeah. Right. I find it weird that, yeah, if you don't need something, you can get it. But if you need it, it's so hard to get because you look like you need it or you want it. I just, yeah, I find it hard. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm biased as a convicted drug dealer. But, yeah, sure, um, right. <laughs> I find it hard to marry up, you know, that there are, there are legal drugs and there are illegal drugs and people can just as easily fall down the rabbit hole with ones that are prescribed by a doctor. Oh, mate, well, on that, like, I can easily see why people would have crossed the road to heroin mm. because it would be easier than lying to a doctor because a drug dealer doesn't care. Mm. You don't have to go in with a story and, oh, my back's oh, oh, you can't see it, but I feel it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, give me that. All right, done. Yeah. Transaction over. You know, like, there's no questions. It's just, that's the business. Yeah, it was with the doctor. You either need a shady doctor or... But I, I'd sell mushrooms and acid to people that would use it for, like, psychotherapy, you know. Mm. Um, there was a guy who would buy MDMA off me because he um, had post-traumatic stress disorder and he'd take MDMA um, while he had his therapy sessions. And that was, like, the only thing that he found was a combination that worked for him so that he could talk about these traumatic experiences while he was having a high and so he could link a negative mindset to a positive body feeling. Yeah, and that yeah, was yeah. how he was able to overcome, or he, that's how he kind of uh, addressed it. Well, that's what they're doing now with uh, ketamine <laughs> and micro doses of ketamine because that's a, um anesthetic. 
Yep. So if someone goes through a really traumatic experience, so I was watching this on a documentary the other night, like they'll give them that microdose of ketamine and yep. the anesthetic, it doesn't, obviously it doesn't erase what happened, mm. but it does something to the brain that stops that thing forming. So every time they're in a situation where it could turn, they don't get that, like there's not the panic and like, you know, they see a guy in a black jacket walk through the door, like, you know, and every black jacket is a trigger, but like all yep. of a sudden it stops that kind of happening. There's a documentary that came out recently on Netflix called How to Change Your Mind. It's all talking about this um, psychedelic drugs. I think I watched about, that. I think that might um, <laughs> Mushrooms, MDMA, ketamine, right? Which yeah, yeah, are all like all the things mainly that I got um, arrested for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and how uh, all these things can have... Um, benefits for um for treatment of uh, a whole range of um well, MDMA, psychological issues well, right wasn't mdma developed by the military <laughs> i'm not sure maybe it was like a lot of them are like yeah you know well i know that like they were some like, of them were tested by the cia on people right yeah was, was that yeah. called mk ultra mk ultra yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's they, a consp that's a that's the opening door to a <laughs> rabbit hole of conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, the documentary is legitimate, and like also uh, comedy Jesus Joe Rogan talks about magic mushrooms nonstop, doesn't he? Um, I've never done mushrooms. No, no, never. Well, they would probably provide you. You you seem like the kind of guy that would love them as well. <laughs> Well, yeah, I probably would. Mm. And after watching that, me and my girlfriend both said, you know what, I probably would. But I wouldn't know where to get them. Well. <laughs> oh, is Mike still on? <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, no, I, I was forced into retirement. But one day I will, uh, when they're legalized, I will um, stage some kind of comeback. Or I'll, maybe I'll be like a, the, I'll be the spokesman for some kind of mushroom, <laughs> magic mushroom company. It is wild though. Like I was thinking that with like the drinking and the pot, like I know that's an old argument or why isn't pot legal? And it's what I was saying before about what they both did to me, like mentally. Like I can wake up the next day and just shake off pot. You know, your head's a bit foggy and you're like, oh, whatever. Yeah. You know, and that's it. And you maybe you get a little bit strung out if you don't have any, but it's bearable. But with alcohol, it's like a fucking whole body. Like it's a physical, it's psychological. I I used to have guys who would try mushrooms, come back and then ask like um, if they could hug me and thank me for selling them to them because uh, it had changed their life in some kind of way. They were, they guys said, there was one guy that told me he'd just broken up with his partner and he was really depressed and he'd had these and it um, inspired him to um, change his job and he was to go traveling and all this kind of stuff. But, um, you know, there were guys that would microdose them during the day and it helped them to concentrate. There was a w guy that bought some because his mother was dying and she never had a drug experience in her life and she wanted to have one with her family and so they had magic mushrooms together. And <laughs> that like, would have been cool. <clears throat> and that was like a really special family moment. Like That would have been nice. There was a guy who bought them for his grandmother because she liked to go to lawn bowls with her friends and have like a quarter of a magic mushroom uh, capsule. <laughs> some reason it made her it made it more enjoyable experience but, i can see that um that's why for me my anecdotal experience of selling magic mushrooms for over well over a decade was that these weren't causing damage in society that um you know is ref that is warrant that matches a class a illegal drug 
Oh, totally right? not. No, no, no. It's not meanwhile, the same kind of damages. Meanwhile, yeah, you can sit in any pub in New South Wales and piss away your entire like life savings in two seconds on ten dollar hits. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I just it made it hard for me to. That was how I got to the point of just rationalising it all to say like, uh, I I got too arrogant to be able to say to respect the law. You know, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, uh, these laws don't make sense, so I'm just going to break them. That's that was the mindset that I had. But I mean, they still don't. You know, like even weed, it's slowly coming around, but mm. it's like you feel like a criminal. Yeah. You know, whereas if you go somewhere else where it's legal, yeah, and you can just. And the funny thing is, if it's legal there, I wouldn't just walk down the street and do it because mm. because of how here makes me feel. Yeah, you know, I hide in a doorway, or you know, you're still hiding it from people. I was in Canada when it became legal, and we went to a hockey game. I mean, people were smoking it in the arena. Did went, you? No, no, because no, there's, so you... there's kids around and stuff. And like, I know someone's going to do it, and the kids are going to go, "What's that?" But like, it, I didn't want it to be me. Yeah, you know, it's like, no, I can still do this and like respect other people and my, you know, and like not everyone wants a cigarette blown in their face either. Not everyone wants to sit next to a joint. Yeah. You know. Like it's just it's cool you can do it, but you'll still do it in the privacy of your own home or Yeah, kind of. Yeah. But then that's also a very addict thing to do, isn't it? Like, I'm just gonna go home and do it alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like with drinking too, you know. Like if I drank and got really social, yeah. It'd be probably okay, but it's like I just withdraw. I just wanted to sit home with the bottles of wine. Go home and <laughs> sit in the dark. Don't worry about a glass. So that's a good that's Something worth asking was with this drinking that you started doing at home. Yeah. Since then, have, yeah, have, did you get to a point where you were drinking socially more or drinking out at all? Oh, uh, yeah, only... but only if yeah, yeah, but not hammered. Yeah. You know, and still only wine. Yeah, still only wine. Yeah, red wine, and even now, like it's still, you know, like I don't have an urge to. You could have beer in front of me or whiskeys or whatever, yeah. and I'm just like that. Nah. But if someone handed me a glass of red wine, yeah, part of me would be like, mm, you know, it's a nice buzz. It's very close to weed. Yeah. Like in the feeling you get from it, in the sense that it's just kind of like no one's having a no one's having a fight on red wine. You know, True. It's like I, a warm hug. We we used to when I was at uni, we like we we had like a reference to um like sometimes we'd have movie nights and just drink red wine because like red wine pissed is a different is a different oh, kind is. of piss. It's heavy. You're it's like, a it's a mellow, cozy kind of piss compared to like drinking a ton of rum and then you want to fight everyone, yeah. right? There are different kinds of pissed. But even that though, I feel like there's a level of like wine gets put in its own category, right? Like if you drink anything else, you're an alcoholic, right? But if you drink wine, you're a wino. And I think True. there's a lot of undiagnosed winos out there because of the way society looks at it and everything. And yeah, right. it is socially acceptable. You can have the same amount of standard drinks in vodka. You're an alcoholic, but wine, it's like, It's okay. Because okay, yeah. you did it with dinner and it's classy. Oh, no, yeah. but you made a nice pasta and, you know, you work in an office. So, no, you're not an alcoholic. Even though your teeth are stained. Yeah. Red. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the worst thing about it. Tell you what, it took a good month after that of just... <laughs> it's amazing how bad it stains. So, yeah, when we are uh, trying to kiss someone or like, or to even talk to someone and they're like been on the red wine, so it's just like, it's a dead giveaway straight away when as soon as oh, they yeah, open their mouth. Especially at the end of the night, just, yeah, yeah blue <laughs> tongue and yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, um, 
it is a yeah it's a different drunk though i'd say and beer is very um gas like i burp a lot and i i've been trying to just stick to the beers and avoiding spirits and red wine mainly because um i know now i I can have beers now it doesn't uh, affect me to like want to do drugs right okay but um i i'm still unsure if I, i i think there's a higher danger of wanting to do that if i have like tequila or something like that like if i had a bunch of tequila shots um i think they'd be more likely than something in my brain would be like let's get cocaine it's just so fucking expensive in this country i mean apart from that it's only <laughs> it only last 10 minutes yeah i don't know i've never been big on uppers yeah like it's never been uh I don't know. How's this going compared to the guy that shot someone in a hole? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Evo Henry. Well, yeah, if you have killed anyone, we can talk about that. <laughs> no, unfortunately, it'll just probably slightly be myself. But even then, that's just life, right? We're all... That's actually a bit negative. So uppers haven't worked for you because you're, you're already... Your own upper? <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah. Like, they ne- like I tried them when I was younger. It just never appealed to me. Yeah. You know, like, and when I got older, it's like, well, I don't want to be awake for 12 hours. <laughs> like, if I got to spare 12 hours, the last thing I want to do is, like, you know, be awake. So and- if you were to party and there was, like, a mountain of cocaine, couldn't be tempted? Party might be a little bit different. Like, depending on the circumstances, yeah. what was happening, who I was with, et cetera, et cetera. But I wouldn't just, like have a couple of drinks and then get a bag. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I find that. But a lot of people do these days, right? A lot of people uh, in Sydney and, and probably all over the country have gotten to that point now where they can't have four or five beers uh, without looking at their mate and saying, Let's get a bag. should we get a bag? And the problem is, um, you know, the quality is going down and so they're just – paying through the nose for absolute dog shit yeah yeah yeah. you know ever since they arrested me got you know <laughs> a good quality cocaine supplier out of action <laughs> uh, i've got a story for you off air <laughs> <laughs> regarding another comedian <laughs> um yeah i just that reminds me um sam uh, it was i was at a gig when i first met sam kizajukin uh and he saw me do my set about getting arrested and going to prison and he goes he goes oh fuck man um you know uh, that reminds me of a story i heard recently of this guy uh, <clears throat> in surrey hills who got his house raided his missus dobbed him into the cops and he got his house raided and he had two dogs i'm like yeah dude that that was me <laughs> so what happened with your dogs uh, Sorry, this is the biggest tragedy of the story so far. <laughs> like, oh, the yeah, poor that, dog. Was, that was the worst part. What so happened? My um, my beloved boy Tucker, uh, who's a dog de Bordeaux, um, French Mastiff. He uh, got re- my my ex fiance rehomed him when I was locked up. Yeah, and then she um, she kept the other one Pompey. Um, so at least I know that they're safe. And the the family in Wollongong that um, that have Tucker, they let me at least go and visit him. Well, that's nice. Which is nice, but. Um, yeah, that was probably the the biggest blow of, of oh, everything. Oh, mate, that had hurt so much. Yeah, he was my best friend. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting sad now. <laughs> that's fucked. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. I've always wanted dogs, and but comedy never really permitted it. And then, but you got a dog now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got it before lockdown, like what, before COVID. What, what kind of dog do you have? Um, mini Schnauzer. Yeah. 
but like life kind of got to a point where it's like, I know I can do this now. Girlfriend's home all the time. That's like, cool. so she can take care of him if I can't, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, it works. But, yeah, I would have had one in my 20s. And, yeah, they're your best friend. Man, he's the only thing. Like, when I was depressed, he was the only reason I got out of bed, you know? Wow, well, a lot of people, I think, got COVID puppies, right? Because oh, yeah, you see it. They, yeah. yeah. And then I think it's fucked anyone that then um, re- try to rehome or get rid of their dogs when they no longer serve to purpose after lockdown. Yeah. I think that happened as well. But, um, you know, uh, you can see why people wanted to have dogs. Oh, because, totally. uh, Oh, actually, that reminds me. So there was a guy I had on named Joe Kwan who runs... The ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he, runs, he runs Confit, which is like a... Um, Fitness program, right? Like they do boot camps and stuff, and they go into, you know, into juvie centers and stuff, and, and train with guys and try. And, and he only hires ex cons, mm-hmm. right? And during lockdown, That's discrimination. <coughs> during lockdown, <laughs> he got hired by all these big corporates. They, he suddenly they, their business became the experts in um, personal training, fitness in confined spaces because everyone's stuck at home. Oh, in a cell, kind of. Yeah, everyone's yeah, home yeah, became yeah, right. a cell. So uh, these guys were working with all these big corporates and telling them <laughs> how, how to train at home, right? It's not bad, though. But it's funny how the universe works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, suddenly, yeah, Suddenly they became the authority on it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just, at least there's a business there. I did a gig once in a remand center in Melbourne. Yeah. Which was as soon as when I first started comedy, I said, I'd like to do a gig in a prison. That's on my bucket list. I would, I would absolutely love. Like, but to... then as I got a little bit older, it's like, do I really want to perform for a bunch of motorists and ravers? I said, maybe I'll just like to perform to the drug dealers and the, the thieves. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> you don't get a choice. Unfortunately, they're all locked up together most yeah. of the time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you don't really... At least in remand, before they get sentenced, then, um, you know, then they get put in minimum security. But this was just like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was still intimidating. Yeah. Like to the sense of, but like the only thing stopping them from walking out onto the street and thumbing a ride back to Melbourne was the threat that they'd go to a real jail if they did. Like it was like their last, last stop before prison. It was for 18 to 21 year olds. Yeah. That last chance alone. Yeah. Kind of thing. And like you still had to, still had all the security, still had all that stuff. Yeah. And it was still like it was a remand center. Well, but it was um, like the gig was, I did all right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of went downhill. Well, if anyone who works with Long Bay Jail is listening, uh, please invite me anytime you like. I would love to come and do comedy for the lads. That'd <laughs> <laughs> be a hard one to book. Well, just now, if it ever happens, I'll be keep. I'll probably put my hand up for it. But yeah, no, it's an interesting because, um, like, straight away, like, we were all sitting there, and one of the other acts was like, "What do we do when they come in? Like, do we?" Do we wait backstage? Like it wasn't. Or do we like, <laughs> I, I say, oh, I'm going to wait in the room. I reckon we should wait in the room. Yeah. I don't think we should put anything between us and them that makes it feel like we think we're superior. Yeah. You know, so we just kind of sat in the room. In That's the a good idea. Yeah. yeah. We just sat in the room in the corner when they came in and said hello to everyone kind mm. of thing. And like, yeah, yeah, we're the comedy. Hey, thanks for coming. You know, and chatted with them and all that kind of stuff. And do they have fun? Yeah. No. No? No. Yeah. And no. Oh. Like it was uh, it probably, yeah, it started well. Hmm. And then one by one, like there was someone Ben Elwood was talking to at the start of the show, like chatting with, but then he just got so angry with what Ben was saying on stage, but he didn't even listen to what Ben was saying. It was more the emotion and everything behind it. He ended up chucking a bottle of water at him and security had to take him out. Yeah. It started to go a little bit sideways. 
I mean, yeah, you get that. There are some guys who, uh, as soon as you just have said anything that sets them off, they won't. They'll just see red and won't listen to a single word you say. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, yeah and then security had to come. I did notice the, and I'm sure this is in every prison, but like that was definitely divided in groups. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, okay, here's the here's this stereotype of person, and there's yeah, and there's that, and there's, yeah, everyone kind of keeps to their own, don't oh, they? Yeah, I would have thought. I mean, yeah, it's disappointing to hear that there was the good and the bad because uh, I I would have thought that these guys that that's something so different, right? And um, so little things happen that are exciting when, <laughs> you, when you're in there. Yeah, when you're in there, people coming in to like perform comedy would be the most exciting thing in the world, I would imagine. Yeah, I didn't even think about it, like how are they feeling about it? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah. What does this do? Yeah, some guy. If if you were in a yard and some guys ruining the show by pegging bottles and it was going to be cut off early, you'd be like, shut the fuck up, dude! Like, we're all having fun here. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think of that. I think we were just like, all right, let's have this. It was for a TV thing. That was the most interesting one. It never got off the ground. It was just gigs in weird places, and that was like a not-for-TV pilot that they were. So this got filmed. Considering. So there's footage of this somewhere. Did it get, maybe, yeah, it would just be one camera, but it was a one small thing. Oh, man, you've got to track that down. No, I don't. I mean, I, I'd be okay <laughs> with it because I did all right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't yeah. say anything too bad. I would love to see that footage. If it was... um. Yeah, it was just like in a little school hall type of thing. I don't know. It was probably like a function room or whatever. Yeah. Like not function room, but you know. Yeah. But I always watch those shows on TVs and try to figure out who would be in prison. Did you ever do that? If what? Like if you watch a TV show that's based on a jail or whatever, you look at the characters and go, oh, that'd be me. No, I've never done you know, that. It's usually the one that gets fucking <laughs> <laughs> hammered really early on. I think. Who you'd want to that... be. Have you seen Oz? Oh, I've I've seen it a very long time ago. That was a great show. Yeah, it was. Yeah, there was that like one guy in that Ryan O'Reilly. He was he was played by I can't remember his name, but he also plays Tina Fey's boyfriend in Thirty Rock. Um, really good actor, but he's an Irish guy in this show, and he's like he's a solo operator, but he plays all the other gangs off each other. Yeah, is it in Oz. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So if he wants like one of the homeboys taken out, he like sets him up with the bikies yep. kind of thing and he like sets up kind of like a double cross thing so he never has to get his hands dirty i tried to look it up yeah. recently it wasn't in on any of the streaming services i couldn't find it might um, be on binge because it's hbo yeah okay yeah good shot yeah kind of lost the plot about four or five seasons in but <laughs> <laughs> it's very good stuff but there there are so many movies and tv shows about prison and i didn't find that um, to be particularly accurate to my experience. Oh, look, I don't think any of them would be accurate to <laughs> what the actual experience is. Yeah. Chris Waynehouse has some interesting material. Well, he spent a bit in Yeah, he did a couple well. of months. He yeah. asked someone and yeah. he's got some interesting... Yeah, I'm sure I'll meet him at some point. ...material about like when on the first day when they like lift up your balls. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> look under your balls. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the punchlines, but he's got some good stuff in there. Yeah. But that took him a long time to talk about. Yeah. Like compared to like you mm. first in the scene with, yeah, I'm just known as the comedian who just got out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas it, I think it took him a little while to process, you know. But he, I mean, the difference between us is, I mean, he, he, he was a comedian who went to prison, right? Yeah. I was just some guy who's decided to do comedy afterwards because uh, I had a chance when I was locked up to think, like, what did I what what, what doing yeah yeah what do you regret yeah. yeah i was thinking that today actually it's probably worked out well and it probably 
even worked in your favour, like when it came to sentencing? It did, 100% it did, because even the judge uh, himself said um, when we talked, or I had these references from people in the comedy scene and we talked about the fact that I've been doing that so much, and he liked that as being a, a rehabilitation story he'd never heard before, right? And he even smirked and said, this is um, this is uh, a new one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a, guy, a guy doing stand-up comedy as his way to kind of get himself back back well, on the straight and narrow. Well, I mean, even in the judge's eyes, he knows how hard it is because we said it earlier, like people are like, oh, fuck, I could never do that. Mm-hmm. So to the judge, he'd know it wouldn't be something that you were doing just to get off. Yeah. Like you could fake rehab. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, the people that are, oh yeah, I'll go get clean and they get off or whatever. Like you could fake, you could push through something like that, but I don't think anyone could get up on stage unless they actually wanted to yeah. and attempt comedy like multiple times. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think being in a community and then especially if people spoke up and did all that stuff, that definitely would have worked. I had references and there was a few guys from the Sydney comedy scene, um, Artie Gallagher, Sam Bowden and uh, Zane Freeler that were in the room. Oh, right? yeah, nice. And so the judge knew that. So I think that, that um, helped as well, I think, to show that, uh, yeah, there was, there was indica- indicators that uh, I was in the process of turning my life around. And so I think that made it harder for the judge to see any merit in sending me back to prison. And I mean, it is like, mushrooms right <laughs> no well that was a part another part of the argument right <laughs> which was like you're on a it's fucking mushrooms like, on the ground, come mate. on they go on the ground well i mean we it, it, i mean i know you that, cultivated them <laughs> <laughs> yeah grew them dried them put them into capsules how long does that take grow uh i think it's a, the process is about six six weeks and how exactly would you come <laughs> <laughs> No comment. What are they selling? But <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, yeah. I could just could, I couldn't couldn't move without looking over my shoulder. You get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's the same way uh, I said to a guy in the yard about like the fact at Long Bay. I said, "Fuck, I'm never coming back here." Like this is my lesson learned. Um, and he just smirked at me and he said, "You'll forget." And the reality is most of the guys in the yard are in there for their second, third, fourth, fifth time. Yeah, right. Because they forget. Like how bad it is in there or like what it's like in there. They just, well, they just forget that, that life is better not being in prison. Yeah. You know, it's not that it's so much as it's bad in there. It's just dead time. You just feel like you're literally wasting your life. Well, I mean, that's why they call it dawn time, right? Because it's literally. Yeah. yeah. So you don't take that Avon Barksdale approach? You only do two days now. The day you go in and the day you come out. <laughs> uh, we're talking wire references now, eh? That's, I love that show. Oh, really? Yeah. That was yeah. like probably my number one show of all time. Got to get your mind right. It's <laughs> a fucking great show. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how I, yeah, I, 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 that's how I see that stuff. But it's, it's interesting to hear because everyone has in their head what it is like, mm. you know, and I'm sure the media and TV and whatnot hasn't helped. And I'm sure there is a degree of that. But then you think about all the people that did, like there's people that are unlucky as well. Yeah. There's a very different, I think there's a huge difference between doing a few months and doing 10 years, right? Oh, total. Uh, just yeah. in terms of uh, its effect on you and then, um, your, and then how hard it is to reintegrate after you're, out, but for the time I was in, uh, I was <laughs> having a blast. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so my my lawyer said to me when um, once you felt safe, once you know you're safe though, 
So I, I, I never really felt in danger at any point. And yeah. um, so my lawyer said to me at one stage uh, that it was going to take him a bit longer. After I, So I got a new lawyer after about two months in there. And he said, Andrew, it's going to take me a bit longer to prepare everything for, um, for another bail application. And at that point, I said to him, I said, no worries, take your time. Really? Yeah. You're having a good time. <laughs> and, and he goes, and he goes, what do you mean? I go, no, take your time. It's all good. I'm, I'm, I'm fine here. And he goes, uh, I'll be honest, you're the most relaxed client I've ever had about being in prison. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, that's all good. I'm having a good time in here. Because as long as you can make the best out of a bad situation. People in lockdown, right, are stuck in isolation and were stuck in their own houses and getting depressed. I was playing into prison like uh, into yard touch footy yeah, right. Right. and playing chess. And, um, I was, I was having a sweet old time exercising. I, I was off the drugs and alcohol and, and starting to feel good again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can see it was, that. It was my, it was free rehab for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also I think just after numbing myself with cocaine and alcohol for so long, like just feeling these raw feelings, even negative ones, and having to confront them um, made me feel really alive for the first time in such a long time. Yeah, what's you know? it like a night? Like what time's lights out? Uh, I mean, it's no real lights out. You just you get locked up pretty early at Lo at Parkley. You're getting locked up around three fifteen, three thirty. At really Long at Long Bay, you get locked up at like one forty five in the afternoon mm. for the for the rest of the day. That's it. You're done. That's you, that's your, your day done. What about dinner? Dinner served at like one forty-five. Dinner. Dinner. You're getting dinner at one. What time's lunch? Ten forty-five. What time's breakfast? Like five. Seven forty-five. Yeah, right. You know, you you, you get up. You're out in, in the yard by seven forty-five. Lunch at ten forty-five, and then you you're back at your cell at one forty-five, and your dinner's already sitting there waiting. It might have been not there for freaking twenty minutes, half an hour already. So, and then you're in there till the next morning. The, the reason the reason you have your dinner served so early is because the kitchen's run by inmates. They're yeah. going to be locked oh, up yeah, as well, gotta, yeah, right? Okay. So they got to get locked up, and then you got your food. But um, so you, I'd often eat my food when it's hot at one forty-five. So then you're hungry again by six p.m. So. Particularly if you've been in the yard walking around training all day, your body's yeah, 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 starving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why it was so important that you have loved ones that put um, money into your prison account so you can buy groceries, right? Because you need extra food. Oh, so there's like an IGA in there, right? Well, you get <laughs> you get a grocery list, right? Called a prison buy-up list, yeah. and you get that every once a week, <clears throat> and then you have a hundred dollar limit. I think um, there was some time during COVID where the limit went up to 150 or something, but what, the whole time I was in there, it was a hundred bucks. And mm. so then you just have to like, you've got your, your price list mm. and I would just be there, there like an accountant writing down my numbers. Doing, Trying to work it out. The, doing doing the math because you, you, you couldn't go anything that you went over. You, you weren't sure what was going to get taken off the list. Oh, yeah, right. Right? So you might be something you really wanted. So you had to try and get like the number perfect. I remember one time I nailed it. Only once ever, and I had my buy-up list come back, and it said money spent 100.00, yeah, nice. and I, I even brought it to the yard to show people. <laughs> I was like, look, guys, nailed it. And what's it like with people? I'd say that's the equivalent of like commissary then or whatever it is. That is they, the same, same thing. Oh, it's called the same. Yeah, right. Uh, we just call it buy-ups here, but it's the same, people, same thing um, as commissary. And what happens with like 
people standing over people for well, that happens, right? Um, in in different yards, or guys use it for like that's the, the currency for gambling, all kinds of stuff like that. But yeah, right. um, there were instances where um, guys would go into other guys' cells uh, that they knew had no guts. And we just to start taking their food, and if the guy spoke up, they'd just crack him in the head, you know, just be like, "Yeah, what are you gonna do?" And so, I mean, if the guys if the guys stood up for themselves, they'd find that people would do it less. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there was a guy that I got along with really well, who was a smaller bloke, and I know he got beat up uh, in his cell and, and robbed of like a whole bunch of his food, and I was like, "Fuck." Like said to my cellmate, we should do something about it. And then he was like, "Mate, you got to let him do his own jail. Um, you know, it's fine to back him up if he stands up for himself. But if he's not going to do that, we can't do anything for him." Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like you know, I was lucky enough that um, I am not small, didn't look like a pushover, and had like mates made mates in there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That that helped. One. Were you top bunk or bottom bunk? So it, it varied. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you negotiate it with your celly. Because I'm so tall, uh, I, I wanted to be top bunk because otherwise I'd be banging my head all the time. But, um, yeah, you, 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 just, you just negotiate it. But, uh, like, all, all those things come down to negotiations with whoever you draw as a cellmate. You know, I, I had a cellmate who um, – uh, he was a like OCD clean freak, didn't like to chat much. And uh, he, when I first was in his cell, he was like, first thing you got to know, home and away, Monday to Thursday, non-negotiable. <laughs> so Really? Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to watch home and away every night. And I didn't know, I didn't know that on Thursdays, home and away is like a triple episode. Like it goes for like an hour and a half. Oh, Jesus. But a lot of guys in jail watch Home and Away. Yeah. Heaps of guys are obsessed with it, right? Yeah, because relatable. it gets to something consistent, right? That they can talk about. They get hooked on it. Yeah, right. I could never understand it. Oh, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, this guy did not want to share the remote with me like for fucking anything until like it was time for him to go to bed. Then I was allowed, allowed to, to channel surf then. Really? Yeah. But, no, right. I mean, he'd go to bed early. We're talking about like maybe like eight o'clock. Um, but still, uh, I, I only stayed with him for a couple of weeks before I uh, – Found a bloke I got along with better <laughs> that had an opening and quickly jumped ship. How, um, yeah, right. So you can put in for a transfer or. Yeah. Yeah. If there's an opening, um, before they bring in new inmates into the wing, uh, you can quickly go and ask the screws and just say, Hey, can I move over there? And I, I they usually just said, yeah, cause well, it's not two men on a truck, is it? You just grab your PJs. Off your they, 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 they don't want conflict. Right. So if there's, if yeah. there's two guys that know, they know are going to like bunk up, they're going to they get along. They'd, they'd rather that. Then, yeah. Then a fight or walking into a dead body in the morning. Or... Totally. That happens. Or, uh, you know, there the, the, hear heaps of instances of guys, um, who, they tell stories that they had a new guy walk into their cell and they they told they could tell within like two minutes that they were not going to get along. Yeah. And so they would just say, mate, buzz up. You're not, you're not living with me. Really? Yeah. Buzz up. You're going now. <laughs> and so they just have to press the buzzer and say, oi, chief. That's what they call the prison guards. She's a chief. Yeah. This isn't going to work out. Chief, it's so obvious. <laughs> yeah. Chief, chief <laughs> this isn't going to work out. 
fair enough. I mean, at least that's there, though, you know, and people can, yeah, because otherwise, yeah, I suppose you've got to think that the guards are trying to make it as easy for themselves as possible. Well, the, you, you can buy usually electronics items for yourselves. You can get a TV, a sandwich, press, and a kettle, yeah. right? You can have a kettle in your cell, but yeah. um, at Long Bay, they stopped letting you buy sandwich presses because uh, a guy killed his cellmate with one. What, burned him with it? No, he put Bunk, it in a pillowcase. Him. Pulled it in a pillowcase and whacked him over the head with it 15 times. <sighs> Couple of years ago, but there's still heaps of um, sandwich presses floating around the, the the wing, so you can get like hand me downs. Guys can hook you up. I was very lucky that in like my first few days in the yard at Long Bay, a guy came up to me. He goes, "I fucking know you from somewhere," and I was like thinking, "Like fuck, like, you know, you don't want to yeah, recognize yeah. the case." <laughs> and he's like, "He's like, mate, you used to shout everyone beers at the Columbian whenever you won on the pokies." And uh, I'm like, fuck, I recognize you. And so this guy <laughs> hooked me up with everything. He was like a very well-connected guy in the yard. And so next thing you know, I had a kettle, a sandwich press, um, and um, sometimes he'd lay, he'd um, put fresh eggs on my on my pillows. Yeah. Because uh, he, he had a, a- Chicken a, in his cell? Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't buy fresh eggs. Yeah, right. But guys that worked um, with some of the higher jobs as like a sweeper, it was like a admin guy, like a guy that hands out food and cleans um, the the wings. Mm. They get a carton of fresh eggs every week, so every yeah. week he'd give me one egg. Um, but yeah, so it was I was very lucky that this guy remembered me and then looked after me in the yard. Yeah. And because he was well respected by everyone, I'm sure that went away to um, making sure I didn't get anyone. Trying to hassle me either. Well, yeah, in those kind of places, like your words, your bond, isn't it? And like who's with you or. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see the whole. I mean, I only know from what I see on TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it is a big thing to uh, follow through with what you say you're going to do. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it starts there on the street, though. Mm. Like all that, you know, snitches get stitches and all that kind of stuff. All that stuff starts before you even get in. Yeah. You know, and I think. But then in, in there it's heightened because everyone can see you. So if you call someone a bad name, if you call someone a gronk or something like that, like, and people can see it and hear it, then it's going to set someone off because you've immediately disrespect them. And there's in front of everyone. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, the fucking psychology of it. <laughs> a bunch of dudes. Like, I, I remember. I'm interviewing you now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> My shit didn't go sideways far enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, the podcast has been going on for a very long time. You can come back anytime and talk about the next time it goes sideways. It's just always constant. <laughs> what, what else you got? Like what a, else is what no, else? Like a, no, I just, I don't know. Like, it's just, nah, I'm, it's good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Uh, I just always have a habit of making things harder for myself. Yeah. You know? But your stuff's more, that's more interesting to me. What, you self-sabotage yourself? Not self-sabotage, but like I just, like I'm not driven to, I don't want to be recognized. Like, so I have no desire to pursue. You don't want to be recognized, but you're a, you work in entertainment. Yeah, but I don't want that level of attention that people get at that level, which is probably part of like what you were asking before. Like I like the idea of behind the scenes stuff. So you know does that I mean, mean you've got to work hard but not work too hard? <laughs> I don't know what it means, to be honest <laughs> with you. Because there's not, a, there's not as many opportunities in this country for, like, riding teams and 
creative teams and all that kind of stuff as there are in other places. Well, if you're talking about behind the, working behind the scenes, would you rather would you like to like write for TV or something like that? Oh man, I don't look. I'd like to. I'd love to write something for TV. Mm. Yeah, I don't know about for TV or yeah for like a great idea. Not just anything, mm. like something. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just like the idea of I like Larry David pre Curb Your Enthusiasm would be my ultimate achievement. Like everyone or in the creating industry. Seinfeld. No, no, but like everyone in the industry knows who you are and what you look like, mm. but no one else does. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know what yeah, I mean? No so one knew like, his face. Yeah, so you yeah. could still go down the street, still do whatever. I mean, maybe not in Hollywood, but yeah. you know, but like there's still that level of anonymity, whereas Jerry, Jerry was just like, and all of them were like the face of the show. <laughs> well, I guess you're only one big idea away from that, right? <laughs> hey, we're all only one big idea away from that. One big idea and a fucking shitload of hard work. I think that's one of the best shows on TV, Curve. This is surface stuff now, but <laughs> that is a good show. A lot of people love it, yeah. Yeah, like it's just, um, and it's the only show that can come back every five, ten years and it doesn't matter because it's on his life. Yeah. So it doesn't matter that he's aged or like, you know, like other shows they try and do it and it's a reunion. It's like, all right, well, she's had filler. You know, he's fat now. Have you ever uh, done any TV stuff? Acting or stand-up? Either. I've done stand-up, yeah. Yeah, but not acting? No. no. I can only play myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like most comedians. <laughs> I can play me, and even that I struggle at sometimes. What about a comedy show about a guy who's just gotten out of prison and become a comedian? What? That's not bad. <laughs> Sold! <laughs> it's an, look, it's an interesting take, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, Do you ever worry about the flags that that raises? Like, I mean, I know re rehabilitation and all that kind of stuff, but like, say, when it came to like TV and all that kind of stuff. What do you mean? Like, in your background, in your history, hang on, I'm in my hand. Like, just having that there. Do, am I worried about what that, how that's going to. Well, just because it's such me. a shallow, superficial. I mean, I'm not too worried about it because uh, I. I. I only started doing this because I wanted to you just wanted to make people it. laugh, okay. right? Um, because I thought that there was value in that. Because you'll terms. have problems traveling now, right? I'll, I'll have problems traveling, but uh, I mean, there's plenty of countries you can still go to. And oh, really? Oh, because it's not a violent crime? Can you go to the States? <clears throat> um, Actually, no, you can't. There, there's no way you can because I went well, for possession. <clears throat> like I tried to get in and I had a charge for possession. And they wouldn't let me in, so I doubt you'd get in with supply. Well, you, you, <laughs> I, I know some guys who recently went to the states with much more significant charges. They did, they did prison time, right? Really? So um, there are loopholes. I think money certainly helps, but oh, look, um, I should have just ticked no on the box, and you would have had no fucking idea on the Esther form. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I, yeah I'm not sure. Um, oh, all that stuff doesn't matter at the moment because I'm not allowed to leave the country for another two years anyway. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, why is that? It's part of my um, my ICO, my intensive corrections orders, conditions is. Oh, it says I have to ask permission, right? Um, but I mean, I'm just in the middle of trying to get permission to fucking go to um, Melbourne for the comedy festival, and it seems like it's a fucking nightmare. What so. even just in a state? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, right. Uh, it might be might be a while before. And that's a that's a luxury problem to deal with. Yeah, but, yeah, totally. Um, even in terms of. Uh, career opportunities, I, I'm not too worried about that because any opportunities I get at the moment are a bonus. Well, that's good then. Yeah, that's right. a good way to look at it. 
Like, and, and you're not limiting yourself by not traveling anyway. That's just no. That was just something I was curious about because I know it's been a problem for me in the past. Yeah. Well, I was. I was when I first started doing comedy, worried that I was going to be not allowed to do certain gigs because they were going to say like there was going to be blowback. But there hasn't been that at all. And no, like, I don't. Nah, no. Like if you're up there going, oh, you know, <laughs> I don't even need to say. <laughs> If you're a deviant yeah, or like a violent offender, it might be a lot harder, mm. you know, but with the nature of what it was yeah. and whatnot, like I'm sure like it's, as I'm, I said, it's just a ragtag bunch of misfits. I've now know. done what, like uh, I keep a log, I've done 250 gigs now yeah, and right. I haven't had a single person um, respond badly, like negatively to me doing jokes about getting arrested and going to prison and selling drugs, right? So... If the blowback was going to happen at some point, it would have already happened. Oh, look, and there's also the people, half of them probably think you're joking. Well, like, I guarantee um, you people will start coming up to you. Did that really happen? Did you really go to jail? That, happens, you, that happens all the time. Yeah, or or yeah, people yeah. Well, will have Googled me. But I also, um, at the start of my, my, a lot of my sets, I'll, I'll reference an article from the Daily Telegraph to try and add some like legitimacy to my, yeah, like, yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. talking about. But still, people will... Either Google it or ask me afterwards. You're right. Because I find that fascinating. It's like, why would I say it? Like, how could you come up with that whole story if you didn't live it? You know, it's like, well, you think I just sit at home and, oh, yeah, so I'll pretend I'm a mushroom it would, manufacturer. It would take a lot more of a creative man than me to come up with that shit, you know? Oh, and you'd come up with something a little bit, you know, something with more weight, but still not too, you know what I mean? You'd, you'd push it closer to the line. No, like what? <laughs> well, I don't know, though, but it's got to be something. I, 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 I do benefit from the fact that mushrooms is is funny, right? Like, I think it is. I think mushrooms would be looked on even easier than pot because, I, and I say that because I, I'd say mushrooms would have a much smaller market share. <coughs> like, in the you know what I mean? Like yeah. the amount of mushroom supplies that they'd see compared to dope dealers would be it's probably like a tenth. <laughs> I'd assume, or more, like smaller. Smaller, yeah, yeah. I would imagine. Because like for every 20, 50 dope dealers. I right, put it this way, I've never known anyone that sold mushrooms. Right, and so even now I get messages from people like saying, hey, man, we can't find any mushrooms um, since you've been the con. Can you help us out? I have to say, sorry, no, I can't. But yeah, like, I They go, must be spewing. Because so, in their heads they're like, fuck, I bet he can. <laughs> <laughs> Just admit it, admit it, you don't, yeah. <laughs> So, but there were guys in the yard, like that, it was a running joke in prison. Like, this guy's in here for mushrooms. And like, I was like, oh yeah, like, do you reckon I'm going to get fucked over much um, with my sentence? And there were guys in there for like kilos of coke. And they're like, nah, mate, they're like, what? they're going to let you out soon. And when they let you out, they'll give you mushrooms back. <laughs> 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 like, that's how much of a non-crime it is. Well, yeah, yeah. When, once you compare it to like life ruiners. Mm. You know, not even life ruiners, but like heroin, meth, like yeah, even coke. Though. Yeah, like you know, I don't know, I don't know anyone that's ever said oh, I'm a mushroom addict. Mm. Like, no, you know, ne never. Take it's it, they not, go into the woods. It's not addictive. Take no. it, and they chill out with their friends. But that's it. Ones, people you know. would have it a few times a year when they went away camping with their friends, and that was it. Do you find people uh, s sell the drugs to people that are like them, or like into the? Oh, yeah, it would usually be social circles, like people that are like, all, all trippy or that they, they they have a social circle that like the idea of going away for a weekend and, and tripping yeah. on mushrooms. Yeah, of course. Because I'm coming to that from a meth angle specifically. Like I don't think any like 
someone that was considering selling drugs is going, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do meth. <laughs> like just because of the clientele it would attract. I would assume most people that sell meth use meth. Yep. I would imagine so. And they're probably funding, or that's how it started, yep. you know, and it's to fund a habit. Well, that's like that. the user-dealer kind of um, model is most is very common and that's usually the guys that get caught, yeah. Oh, um, really? Yeah. For people that are use that are dealing but also high drug users, right, are you more likely to – not be thinking straight because they're constantly affected by drugs. So they're going to mo more likely to make mistakes. That's certainly what happened in my case. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, cause I, I mean, I wouldn't do it because like I said, I wouldn't want to live over my shoulder, but I like, there was that part in my head that went, oh, it'd either be pot mm. or a party drug like ecstasy mm. because I know who's coming through the door. Yep. You know what I mean? Like Coke's too far out of reach. Don't want to deal with math or you know what I mean, yeah. like the clientele. Well, everyone that was buying drugs off me was all um, like wealthy professional people yeah. um, that just had a nice um, manageable drug habit, right? And that's what also makes it even easier to justify when you've got all these professionals coming through your door. Totally, there it was doctors and journalists and lawyers and um people that work in marketing and like well-paid tradies and um tv producers and half the triple j hottest 100 and um <laughs> you know like, Which <laughs> like you know i don't name it i don't name names but um you know some very famous people uh and um and ath famous athletes and all this kind of stuff it's like my little black book you know <laughs> little book of secrets <laughs> Could, uh, you know, could talk. Yeah. Like, um, all these people that had their shit together and had a lot of disposable income that they just every now and then, um, wanted to take some party drugs in the same way people clock off on a weekend and just smash themselves on booze. And what do mushrooms sell for? Um, uh, so I, they were selling in like, uh, one gram capsules, yeah. right? So, uh, I sold them either like for a small amount, like individually $30, yeah. um, but you know, one or two of those and you're having a, like a three hour high. So compared to Coke for a three hour yeah, high, it's... that's much cheaper. Um, or people bolt in bulk, they got cheaper. So yeah. you know, if they're buying hundreds, it was much cheaper. Yeah. Right. So that's, and that was all gravy too, because mm -hmm. you were growing them. Yeah. So that's all profit. Yeah. <laughs> so it was good while it lasted. Yeah, while it lasted. Um, well, go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's probably enough of me talking about my crimes. No, no, mate. I find it fascinating. <laughs> I find it fascinating. Yeah, we're here to talk about you. That's all right. Let's add some weight onto it. How long are we done? I don't know. I'm just pulling her out now. It's twenty to eight. Cool. Yeah. Um. All right. Well. <laughs> yeah, we can we can go or we can wrap up, whatever. I'm keen. <laughs> what else do we want to talk about? <laughs> this is the part. I don't know. Ask me a question or <laughs> <laughs> ask a question or move on. Um, so, are you doing uh, Melbourne or Sydney Comedy Festival? This no, I'm year? having this year off. Yeah, cool. Just to get my shit together. Mm. Gotta get my head right and you know get all my shit together. How do you how do you write? Do you, do you like? Do you sit at home and you've got notes on your phone from ideas you had and then you try yeah. and write it down? And then I'll copy them over into things. Sometimes I'll just wake Like I've gone through phases. Like the, are you, not recently, but before COVID and lockdown, I'd, be, I'd just write for a couple of hours a day. Yeah. Usually about what's on my mind. 
you know, and what I'm thinking about and whatnot. And then other times I just pick a topic and go, all right, I'm going to write as much as I can about bananas. Yeah, okay. You know, I'm going to write as much as I can about sneakers and you see if there's something in there. And you'll be surprised. Like it happened to me a couple of months ago. I I did a line and I even said it to the audience. I said, I thought of that line 10 years ago. And I haven't had an opportunity to say it until now. Well, you couldn't find a home for it. Yeah, I couldn't find a place to put it. Yeah. And it just came up off something with the audience. Yeah. You know, like it just came to me naturally. And it was like, oh, right. A couple of times I tried to crowbar it in, nothing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. So there'll be stuff that you write down that you'll never make fly or you think, fuck, I can't make that work. And then just at one point it'll just slot perfectly into something or it'll just, like there's always a home, Yeah, you know, like I've never thrown away anything I've ever written. That's cool. Yeah. And do you, then you, sometimes you just go back and look, look I've over it? I've never done that. You haven't looked over it. <laughs> so you've got it written somewhere, but you, you've got no idea what's there. No, I'm like, take the stuff that works and build on that. Yeah. And like, if it didn't push it aside and yeah. So there's a lot of stuff back there that I could probably go over and go, oh, you know what? That's a good idea. I, Especially for my, you know, 22 year old self. It's hard I'm, being a virgin. I'm certainly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing that stuff now. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> a lot of wank jokes, you know, some of them still work. Oh, they do, though. I, I find I'm not good enough at writing to be. If, if I write something that doesn't work, then I, I'm not good enough to fix it, right? Uh, stuff either has to work the first or second time or otherwise I'm putting these things in a document of shit that didn't work and I and I don't know how to I know as soon as I open my mouth on stage if it's going to work but you don't know when you write it look some of them when I write it I know 100% I'm like that's going to kill but that comes with experience and that comes with time like I didn't know that at the start you're just like oh fuck that works I can't wait to say that. And then there's other ones that I think they're going to work yeah. and they're funny and I'll spend the day trying to memorize the wording and all that kind of stuff. And as soon as I get on stage and go, oh, so you know how bananas sometimes are green? And, I'm like, and then in my head, I'm like, where, where is this going? This is going nowhere. There's no punchline. What are you doing? And it just becomes some stupid convoluted rant. <laughs> yeah. The problem with like writing is crucial to comedy. Obviously, it's a massive part of it. But performing comedy is different to writing it. Yeah. And like a lot of people perform their written word. Yeah. You know, like they say it verbatim as it's written on the page. Like I remember before I started, there was someone, I mean, people still do it now, but I'll use an example from someone who no longer does comedy and I can't even remember who it was, Mm. but they were on stage at a gig and they were talking about women. And it was about 20 years ago. But instead of addressing the women in the room and asking questions like, why do you guys go to the toilet in pairs? This is just an example. Yep. He'd, he'd say, he'd say and they always go to the toilet in pairs. Like he kept saying they, and like there was none in the room. Mm. And it's like when he was writing it and it was just him and his computer or him and his pen. Yeah, sure. They're the thoughts you have with yourself. Why do they do this? Why do they, you know, sure. But when you're presenting it to a room full of people, there's things that need to be changed to take into consideration. Adapt it to the world in front of you. Yeah. There's people there. It's a live room with a live audience and that's a woman and that's a woman and that's, you know, like, yeah, like it's, yeah. Some people, you can just almost see them. They're reading the back of their eyelids, you know, and you get to a point as well and you've got it. Like you're likable on stage and there's an affability there. Once you know people are comfortable in your presence, you get a bit more freedom. Yeah. And like, you'll just be a bit looser. 
like with the setups and you just trust yourself a bit more with getting it right the wording right that's what i noticed that's why i have to address when i start talking about prison i had to address the reason why um like in the first minute because i noticed when i was doing like 10 minutes of jokes and i would mention that i was went to prison but i wouldn't have mentioned magic mushrooms till four or five minutes in I noticed that sometimes people were sitting there a bit apprehensive because I hadn't addressed it yet. Oh, thinking, yeah, they want to know. What is thinking, it? Like, wait, this, this guy. <laughs> Didn't I say, did I ask you that when you, when I first met you? Um, that feels like something I might have asked you. What? Like you've got to say that early. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, but most people must have been sitting there thinking like, is this, a, is this guy a sex offender? Like, what, Yeah, what no, but that's why like you'd yeah. want to get to it early but just because now, yeah, that's why I attack it now early. And then um, and we can see it kind of, relaxes people enough that like then i i have the right to do the, the jokes after that yeah yeah no totally and it makes sense and mushroom straight away it softens it yeah and like it just goes ah you yeah. know yeah 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 and it paints who you are yeah kind of thing i actually reckon it probably works better than definitely better than acid yeah because people associate that with a chemical compound you yeah. know, there's dripped onto a piece of paper or whatever, and weed's just too common. And everyone that doesn't smoke weed has their own preconceptions about what pot does and what pot is. Yeah, so it's, it's enough. It's, it's left field enough. Yeah, and it's, and it's obscure yeah. enough. Yeah, and, you know, like the, yeah. <laughs> like it's actually kind of funny in yep. that sense. Yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna go to jail, <laughs> do it for mushrooms. No, just... Psilocybin mushrooms. So, what would you say to yourself? What would you say to your 15-year-old self <laughs> if you could look back? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when do you think shit went sideways for you then? Like, would you say shit went sideways when your partner took all that coke or would you say shit went sideways for you the first time you made that transaction and did a sale? Uh, I mean, similar to what you said before, it's just like a, it's a spectrum of uh, cascading fucking shit, shit going sideways yeah. forever. But can you pinpoint, could you go, oh, yeah, that was a turning point? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, certainly getting sent to prison was a huge turning point in terms of me changing direction. No, but, no, but I mean, uh, before that, did you see any, like, are there any indicators that it was on its way down before that happened? Or um, I mean, I, I I definitely declined into becoming like a massive, massive cokehead over like the few years prior to that. Probably... Around the time I expanded from just selling magic mushrooms to then d other drugs because I just built up more contacts yeah, and yeah, had access yeah, yeah. to these things. And then, um, yeah, cer certainly. I never had a problem with having heaps of magic mushrooms in my house because um, I, I didn't <laughs> – they weren't addictive. I didn't need to eat them all the time. But yeah, having yeah. mountains of Coke in the house was a problem because – uh, I would find an excuse, any any reason in the world, just to have a little bit. And then once I had a little bit, I'd be doing it for days. Yeah, for days, Jesus. I still remember the first time I went to Edinburgh in 2007. Mm. I stayed in a flat with 14 Aussies and a Coke dealer came back, like, after a late show one night with yeah. us. And, like, he wanted to do it himself, but he couldn't pull the bag out without offering it to 10 people sitting around the table. Mate, he must have gone through so much Coke. Yeah, like he was. Yeah, but if he's a coke dealer, like pr probably meant fuck all to him anyway. You know. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he's probably factored that into his budgeting and yeah. Yeah, but it was just like, man, this, this must be about nine bags by now. He just keeps pulling them out. Like I was, I was doing about ten grand of coke up my nose a week for years. Ten grand a week. Yeah. What's that? 
in white. Um, over an ounce. Okay. So what's that? Gram a day, two grams, four grams a day. About that. That's doable. <laughs> <laughs> like, like in that sense, like it sounds like a lot. Yeah. But hang on. Like really, once you're at that level, but, like that's only but, three but, big lines but, a day. But you don't have it every day because I'd have to sleep and recover off for two days, right? So it's more like what, um, five, six, yeah, six, six a day. Okay. But yeah, but how many lines are you getting out of that? Oh, heaps. Like, um, or you're just like big rails. Yeah, I, I, it became the law of diminishing returns. I'd have to do, the, I'd call them Godzilla lines. I'd have to do these absolute monsters, like size of a fucking 30 centimeter ruler and thick just to fucking, because <laughs> uh, after two days, three days, no sleep, like you're not feeling it. I'm just so numbed out. I'd have to do some absolutely over the top, you know, one, one and a half gram line <laughs> to fucking feel it. Jesus. Yeah. But I mean, my heart was, I've, I've got, my nose is fucked. I think I've got a massive hole, like in my, I've got a <coughs> deviated septum. Yeah. And um, <coughs> I could feel my heart at some points of that just saying to me, like, mate, we're going to, we're going to struggle here. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, the, there was a big, there's an agent in the UK that had a heart attack. He was a big coke user. Uh, the first time I tried it was in the UK. Yeah. It was at a gig. Cause it's only like 50 pounds there. And yeah. so someone I was on with, they're like, so do you want some? I'm going to get some and we'll go out after. And I'm like, all right, I'll try it. Mm. And they got it. We started it at the gig. And then after the gig, they're like, oh, I think I'm just going to go home. And I was like halfway in. It's like, well, fuck now. What do I do? <laughs> I'm wired. Where are, <laughs> what, I'm, did you know what am I supposed did? to do? <laughs> I went home and finished it alone. Yeah. Cause I was like, well, I'm not going to save half till next time. I want to see what it does. Yeah. So I'll just finish it now. And then I just, well, that's what I used to. That's what I used to do a lot. <laughs> I used to do that heaps. Just sit there watching movies on my own, just smoking ciggies and doing line after line after line. Yeah, right. how can you concentrate on a movie though? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just staring at something. <laughs> I, I don't know. No, sometimes it like hyper focus me. I'd be. Yeah, well, I suppose with the ADHD, it would work, wouldn't it? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Right. Interesting stuff. Um, cool. All right. Let's leave it there. Okay. Sounds good. It's been a good session. Uh, yeah, I've had fun. It's been all right. Yeah. Sorry for not bringing the, the, as much weight as... <laughs> was yeah. it? No need to compare yourself. We've got a whole bunch of stories coming through. Um, all right. This has been another episode of Shit's Gone Sideways. I've been here with Daniel Towns. Mate, thank, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been Cheers. great. Shit's Gone Sideways. Sideways.